This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network or find us on socials. Seize Your Adventure is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. Yeah, there's so much she can do there. I mean, we did an amazing hike to the Hollywood sign. Um, that was incredible. So we got to put Sunrise, hiked up there and got to see Hollywood and Los Angeles from the top. And it was just, you know, people don't often think about that. And sometimes it is a case of doing a bit more research and looking a bit further into a place. And you can find there's just, there's adventure everywhere. Hello adventurers, I'm Fran Tarauskas and welcome to today's episode of Seize Your Adventure. Before we begin, I would like to thank my patrons for helping to support Seize Your Adventure through patreon.com. This month I have my first patron at the Adventure Advocate level, so that's $10 a month and at that level you do get a shout out on the podcast, so thank you very much to Mark T, aka my dad and my mum. My parents are definitely my biggest fans and it is fitting to give them a shout out today because this special episode is coming out on my 31st birthday. So those of you who are familiar with the podcast will know that today, my 31st birthday, was going to be the end of my 30 at 30 challenge. I was attempting to do 30 different sports and activities over the past year and I have to admit that I have failed. I did not finish what I set out to do. In the end, as with many of the best laid plans, I ran out of time and money and then the pandemic put an end to anything else. But I ended up ticking off about 16 of the sports I had planned and I am really proud of what I have done over the past year. I will go into more detail in the future, but for today I just wanted to acknowledge that I'm not brushing it completely under the carpet, but it is something which I I took on a bit too much essentially. Somebody else who also had an exciting 12-month plan and is doing slightly better with it is today's guest. Annie Brooks is a blogger and a YouTuber from an award-winning blog called Tales of Annie Bean. Annie's writing and videos cover fitness, travel, lifestyle and, of course, adventure. And Annie was diagnosed with epilepsy back in 2012, and she has complex partial seizures. So a lot of her blog journey has been about learning to be active with the condition and learning to recognise these seizures. And back in September, she decided to take on 12 challenges in 12 months to raise awareness for epilepsy. And some of these were big challenges. We are talking about half marathons, ultra marathons and a couple of triathlons. And she also chose a few challenges that were more mental challenges because they were connected in some way to previous problems she's had with epilepsy. Whilst her 12 and 12 has been put on pause for obvious reasons, Annie has definitely opened up the conversation about epilepsy with her challenges. And so, of course, I wanted to be part of that conversation. So here it is, my chat with Annie Brooks. 
Books. Oh, this is going to be a great conversation. I've been looking forward to this for ages. But... Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you know what? I was thinking the other day, I was like, we've been talking about this for ages yeah. and we haven't had a chance to. Your blog was how was how I, I came across you, essentially. I, I think just typing in epilepsy and adventure doesn't bring up very much at the moment. So I think you, you came up fairly quickly on there. I'd like to head back to the start of your journey a little bit and just talk about how, how you started off with the, the travel and the, the living the living lifestyle, <laughs> the lifestyle blog. I started as a fashion blogger. Everyone laughs at this because I am so unfashionable. It's ridiculous. I um, started as a fashion blogger and then realised that so wasn't me. So I started branching out into other areas. I'd, I'd just got into triathlon. So I started writing about my running and um, started finding that more people were interested in it. I thought maybe I should kind of talk about this a little bit more so started talking about that and then realized actually I love travel as well so added that into it and slowly phased out my um my terrible fashion <laughs> blogging days and yeah just started talking about it a bit more and with that it kind of encouraged me to to do more as well because I wanted to share that you can see all these amazing places um, and do all these amazing things really yeah and you you say that you're not into the the fashion you didn't do very well with that but I have to say looking at your your blog on your website I do always admire what you're wearing when you're you're out doing things I am absolutely like just will chuck on all of my old stuff that's about five years old and shoes that are falling (laughs) apart and things and you're always quite quite pristine and well well put together so I'm glad that how how that comes across I don't think I've got out of gym wear for the last three weeks so yeah that's (laughs) But it's very nice gym wear. I am quite lucky with that. So, yes. So talking about going into the the travel side of things there, you've written about quite a lot of places on the blog now. Is there anywhere in particular that you would say is your your favourite place, the one that you would say to people to go and visit if if you have the opportunity? Okay, so if I'm looking on sort of global scale, I think if you read my blog or you know anything about me, you'll know I, well, you'll know this. I absolutely love California. I'm a huge fan of the area. Um, and I was actually, sad, sad to say, I was actually meant to be flying out there in two days. But because of obviously the current lockdown situation, that's not happened. Um, but I would definitely say California is one of my favorite places because there's so much to do in that state can do three board sports in one day if you wanted you could go to big bear to go snowboarding you could go to venice for skateboarding or you could go surfing in huntington beach and it's the active outdoor lifestyle there's hikes available you can go horse riding there's just so much i could talk about california for hours so i won't bore you but i'd definitely say california if you're going to go anywhere that is a place to go and then uk wise that's really tricky because there's a lot of places I really like in the UK now I've been put on the spot I can't figure out which one's one's my favorite I mean I guess I really like hikes and stuff so in the Lake District um, I'm always a big fan of and it's sort of a go-to for camping Um, I mean we did a wild camp in Angleton on my birthday which was fantastic I think we did that two years ago now Um, so I'd say say around there is is one of my favorite places to go to kind of get off the map a little bit and just go and enjoy a bit of outdoors. Hearing about that side of California is quite nice, actually, because it's not a state that I'm I'm familiar with. I've never been there and I don't really know as many people out there. And you quite often think of California as that 
it, it's just it's just beachside. You you get surfing and that's kind of it. So to hear about the other side of things. Yeah, there's so much you can do there. I mean, we did an amazing hike to the Hollywood sign. That was incredible. So we got to put sunrise and hiked up there and got to see Hollywood and Los Angeles from the top. And it was just, you know, people don't often think about that. And sometimes it is a case of doing a bit more research and looking a bit further into a place and you can find there's just there's adventure everywhere. Mm. So now that you've mentioned that, obviously, I I always ask people, so I think this is a good place to do it. (laughs) What does adventure mean to you? What what do you think of when you hear that word adventure? Adventure is it's a personal, personal thing, obviously. For me, it's about getting out and having a go. And uh, I mean, really, it is about fresh air and freedom. That's more of what I call adventure. It's just being outdoors, you know, whether that's on your bike up a mountain, in the sea. It's something outdoors and appreciating nature at its best. That's that's adventure to me. <laughs> we started off with this this really lovely travel blog. It's always going to be uh, a draw for me, anything that's travel related. But you decided to start using that blog as well to talk about your epilepsy. And you, you did a very... Um, very personal story about your epilepsy diagnosis which was just lovely to read the the full process of it and I'm sure that a lot of people would it would resonate with them what made you decide to do that post what made you decide to kind of veer away from what people were reading to something that was different but needed in a different way I'd actually started in 2015 I did a video I did a YouTube video on complex partial seizures um and so that's when it started but I didn't really do anything on my blog and then I decided I needed to be brave and talk about it I don't know what it was I'm not sure what kind of triggered me to think let's do this but um I did and I felt like this massive weight was, it sounds really bizarre but not like this massive weight was off my shoulders that everyone now knew that i have epilepsy and that's fine and I, I, yeah I just I really wanted to tell people because I couldn't find the information when I was going through diagnosis on this kind of epilepsy that I was experiencing and I felt like I've got this platform here people are reading my blog for other reasons let's branch out and tell tell people this journey and my story so then they don't feel as isolated as I did when I was going through it myself if that makes sense and so I felt like it was my it was my job I needed to do this hello there my name is Kathy Camleitner and I'm here to tell you about my podcast wild for Scotland if you enjoy traveling spending time outside learning about nature or simply relaxing to a good story Check out Wild for Scotland and join me for inspiring journeys from the cobbled streets of Edinburgh to the sandy beaches of the Western Isles. We go on scenic road trips up and down the country, hop from island to island, immerse ourselves in Scottish history, culture and landscapes and meet passionate locals who love sharing their own little corners of Scotland. Think of it like story time for adults that inspires you to head out and learn about the world around you. So join me on the Wild for Scotland podcast. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Do 
Yeah, and thank you for doing it as well, because I think you, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head with the talking about the different kinds of epilepsy. That's certainly something that I found with, um, well, with, with learning from other people, because my epilepsy is a bit more stereotypical, as it were. It's what people think about when you hear the word epilepsy. So learning from other people like yourself, where they're there are different types of epilepsy, there are different types of seizure and how you have to kind of like manage those or, or live with those in a different way. And you kind of say it felt it felt like you needed to do it. It felt like something that was was needed in the world. You also around about the same time started doing the triathlons and was that for an epilepsy charity in the first place yes um I my, my husband it's my completely my husband's fault <laughs> he did, um, he's the triathlete and he started it off and he did um an Ironman which is crazy um uh, so he did an Ironman he was like why don't you get into triathlon why don't you give it a go and I signed up for um which is obviously everyone knows this one it's uh the Blenheim Palace triathlon and um, I signed up in 2014 um, and I felt like I was just starting to feel a bit more confident about having epilepsy and I thought right okay I'm going to do this for a charity and I did it for epilepsy research because I felt like there needs to be more research into it and I thought well these are the people to to help give money to and I don't normally do it at, at any charity sort of stuff but I just wanted to do one race that I could give back to a charity and so I, I trained and I did Blenheim Palace Triathlon, which is a sprint distance. And yeah, I did that for charity and it was amazing. And then I found that I loved open water swimming from it. Um, yeah. You say it's one everyone knows. I have to say, I, I didn't know it until you, you kind of, I, I read about you doing it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a triathlete. I think I said that to you before. It's something that is uh, very yeah very very kind of like out of my depth literally um but you say that I'm gonna get you into one you do one with me at some point <laughs> I will I will do one and I have started I, I was going to be doing one in May um I decided I did decide before before it kind of got cancelled to pull out of it because I wasn't um surprisingly at the the swimming side of it I would have been okay with I think but I wasn't confident with the um cycling aspect of it because they weren't going to close the roads down and um, Blenheim would be a good one I think they've cancelled it this year and it's been postponed um but that one's a great one because it's it's closed it's all within the palace swimming is obviously something that you have epilepsy you shouldn't be swimming how how did you approach that in terms of did you speak to neurologists about it did you know anybody else that was a swimmer or, or were you just a confident swimmer anyway this actually stems back to that triathlon actually um I used to be uh, like in the water all the time when I was younger and I think it's just one of those things that as you get older you either keep swimming or you kind of stop and I sort of just stopped and I couldn't do front crawl at all mm. I, I barely did breaststroke and my husband um spent time with me in a pool teaching me how to do front crawl and I did that triathlon and literally was hooked ever since uh and I realized I didn't ever want to do a pool swim triathlon yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was just like I'm not doing it I love the open water and so I spent a lot of time dedicated to to getting into open water and feeling confident in the water and I 
sounds a bit big headed, but I do actually feel really confident in open water. Um, obviously, with ep- where epilepsy is concerned, because you know people do get a bit like you shouldn't be swimming. You've got epilepsy. What happens if you have a seizure? Granted, that's always a risk, but everyone's different, and I get feelings if I know I'm not in a good place or if I'm having a wobble and I I know if it's going to happen so I wouldn't swim you know or um, I swim with somebody else well I would always swim with somebody else anyway Uh, but it's just about being a bit erring on the side of caution. Mm. I think that confidence is so important because that that's one thing I've certainly found is that there are aspects that I'll go, oh, well, I'm really confident doing that. So I'm not at all worried. And there are others where it's brand new to me. So suddenly anything that could be a risk is suddenly 10 times riskier in my head than it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I must admit, when I, this race that was getting, I was supposed to be doing um, the Ironman Ocean side, um, that was going to be my first sea swim. Now, I must admit, I was, (laughs) I was, I was slightly nervous about this, but uh, I just travelled to Costa Rica over Christmas, uh, sorry, over New Year. And during that time, um, I did some sea entry and exit training just to get past that um, confidence issue. I knew I needed to just get on and do it, but there was no other way of me doing it. So I, I had to had to try and I had to try and get out there and, and make sure I ticked it off. Otherwise, I would have built it up in my head to be worse than it was if that makes sense which I do think a lot of people do anyway yeah yeah definitely and it's um it's certainly something that I like like I say with the swimming I think I was a very nervous swimmer when I was younger way before I got diagnosed with epilepsy so swimming has always been a little bit of a a thing with me I do not like putting my head under the water Sorry, I'm only laughing because I've met my mum. The only reason I don't know what the only reason I'm laughing is because my mum is like that. My mum just will not put her head in the water. She's just never done it since I was sorry. That's really (laughs) my mum just I've never seen my mum put her head in the water with swimming. Whereas I'm like my dad and we just we're we're underwater all the time. It's if it's not right for you, it's not right for you. It's totally understandable. It's it is quite scary. But I would say that there's um, there's ways to a- adapt to quite a lot of things, even if you are feeling a bit um, unconfident about it. Like you said, with the sea swimming, going and doing it somewhere where you could practice getting in and out, just building up that confidence in a slightly different way is is so important. I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I would say from an open water swimming perspective, okay, so a lot of people sort of, they'll start off in the pool, um, especially with a triathlon, they'll start off in the pool, they'll do the smaller triathlons, and then they'll be sort of looking to go, okay, so what what can I do next? And so some of the bigger races are open water. And it is intimidating to start with, because you're like, I'm getting in here, I can't hold on to the sides what do we do well first of all your wetsuit's uh, quite buoyant so you're floating anyway pretty much there are other ways of doing it so you can get um like a toe float so it's essentially like a float that clips around you so you've got that so say if you start to feel like you're struggling and you're kind of like oh i need a break this is hard you've got that to hold on to so it's like a it, so you've got that as an option um, I'd always suggest a similar tips would be to go to a, you'd obviously go to a specific place where you can do open water swimming, but 
you can join on with beginner group. There's so many more people getting into open water swimming, which is fantastic. Most places are putting on beginner sessions. And so you'll go out together. So there's more people together. And that's that's a big, big, big thing for confidence with open water. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So they're, they're the things I, I know you're not asked for that. No. <laughs> but I'm telling you, these are my tips for confidence. Yeah, hearing you speak about it, I'm there going, oh, well, I'm, no, I mean, that sounds good. You make it sound good and easy. So let's go and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is about, I mean, don't get me wrong. I When I first started, I was nervous. I didn't just like leap in there because one, it's freezing <laughs> um but it's not always freezing I won't put you off but um yeah <laughs> you know like I was nervous to start with completely you know and it is just about you know I'll swim to that first boy and back okay let's go to the next one it, it is it is daunting not having the sides and that's what freaks people out um but there are things you can do and it's just slowly building it up yeah thank you beautiful let's give people a little bit of context to your your story and you doing these these triathlons and things I think um we, we mentioned briefly that the type of seizures you have they're mostly simple partial seizures yeah. can you just give us a little bit of background in terms of your diagnosis how your seizures were presenting and how you how you found out and were told that you have epilepsy I was diagnosed in 2012 um and I must have been having what we call as episodes for maybe four years and they started to get progressively worse but I had no idea what they were because if you experience it because you're still awake you just think it's part of oh I just feel a bit of it odd do you know what I mean but they started to get progressively worse um and what I was finding was was I was swallowing a lot my hand would just suddenly like motor off. So it'd be just one hand and it'd get really fidgety. And I'd have a sort of a deja vu feeling and then it'd be extreme fear. And I just, I feel like it sounds really, it sounds so dramatic, but I just feel like I wanted to die because it was so scary. Um, And this was going on for ages. And I went to the doctors quite a few times and they just kept saying, just having panic attacks or it's anxiety um, or you're depressed and there was all these things and um, it was actually one of these fellow fashion bloggers actually funnily enough you know what it's like when girls all chat in the toilets <laughs> and I got talking to this other fellow fashion blogger I met her that one night I'd opened up to, <laughs> to her and um, she said to me she was like do you know what I experienced exactly the same things but it turned out to be epilepsy she said, you need to go and see your doctor and tell them to send you to a neurologist. Um, I'm really like speeding through this, but um, uh, I went to the doctor and I said, look, if you send, send me to a neurologist, if, it's, if I'm totally going out on a tangent here, then, you know, we can look at the antidepressant route because they were really trying to push me onto that. And I'm sort of a firm believer of don't take something unless you get confirmation that that's what it is if that makes sense and then I went to a neurologist I even played down my symptoms and he immediately said you're experiencing partial seizures 
he was like you can't drive anymore I need you to I need you to stop driving which was and I just cried <laughs> and even now I see him I see the neurologist and he's so funny um and he's always like oh you're the girl I made crime like this isn't this shouldn't be entertaining to you <laughs> yes you did make me cry I'm fine now <laughs> I think I cried because it was it was like relief uh, but not at the same time I didn't I can't I wanted it not to be something I'd imagined but then at the same time it was so much emotion built up for so many years um it was my EEG that showed up epileptic brainwaves and that was that was kind of the confirmation that I got epilepsy um but yeah it I mean it'd been going on for years I'm just flashing back now I mean me and my husband worked a ski season and I remember I had to do one of the talks like the intro talks I was really nervous about doing it and you know what I'd had a seizure which now I know what it was midway through and I've got no idea what happened I think I repeated the same word over and over again you know like a record that stuck <laughs> because I couldn't my, my head couldn't catch up with my mouth <laughs> there was all sorts of different situations I can look back and go oh my god that was epilepsy how did I not know that um you know it's so hazy that's the problem even now I second guess if I've experienced something because I'm like hang on did that happen because everything's such a blur I think because you with partial seizures because you don't pass out and you're still there that's half the problem I think and I think a lot of people actually struggle with that it's like there's a, a short circuit in your brain for how many seconds and then it reconnects and it's like oh hang on what happened <laughs> yeah and I think what your your story goes well your story shows so many things it's very very telling that the importance of speaking about it like you said when you started talking about it on YouTube and blogging about it and doing it not just for yourself but for other people to have a a, a bit of a touchstone to it and you you know your entire diagnosis stems to you having a conversation about epilepsy in a bathroom at a award ceremony so. <laughs> I know I know isn't that hilarious you know you can't make that up really I'm like how did that happen and I feel like it sounds really again another dramatic uh statement but I feel like I met her for a reason it was like I got to the brink of I was you know people are talking about this more and more but I'd actually got more depressed because I felt like I was stuck but it was the epilepsy that was making me depressed because some people do get down after a seizure and I was having them all like one after the other because I'd be so stressed and I'm so worried about it but the fact that this I met this, this girl who was telling me about it made me realize that I need to have more, eventually I need to have more conversations about this. I don't want anyone to have to go through what I have. And I think had I have known more about epilepsy, I perhaps wouldn't have had to wait so long to get diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How does it physically affect you? Do you feel drained after a seizure? Is that something that you, you kind of like notice the physicality of it? As other, many other epileptics experience, your seizures sometimes change over the years. I have a complete combination now, depending on how intense they are. So if it's a really, really 
hard one and not a nice one, not if, it, if it ever is nice, but it's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, more intense seizure, then I will need to rest for a lot longer. I get, I get migraines after a seizure normally, so I do tend to have to rest. I feel very drained and I can feel not really myself for, for a good few hours. Um, sometimes it can take days. It really does depend on what kind of a seizure I have. And I, I mean, this is self-diagnosis here, but I must admit, I feel like I have a combination of simple partial, complex partial and absences. And obviously more recently, I've started having more nocturnal seizures, which is slightly frustrating, but I do feel very much like I have to sleep afterwards. Mm. A lot of the time people look at you and they think, oh, you're fine. You nothing's, nothing's wrong with you. And whilst I'd say 80% of the time, I'm absolutely fine. We constantly have to adjust our lives to cater to it. Like if I know I'm going to have to be up late or early, I've got to make sure that I have plenty of downtime exercise is potentially off the table because I'll burn out and burn out and getting tired then causes me to be more susceptible to having a seizure um, or putting myself into stressful situation there's all these things that uh, you have to sort of constantly deal with. Have you found at any point that doing a lot of exercise or this kind of fairly intense training that you're doing for things like your triathlons and your 12 at 12 which we'll go into in a little bit have you noticed any difference in terms of the the types or the amount of seizures you have either to the positive or negative um with regards to exercise I think I'm I think I'm just actually really aware of how much I can and can't do like like your body would anyway you know if you do I don't know three training sessions in one day and they're all intense training sessions your body anyway regardless of whether you've got epilepsy or not is gonna gonna feel it so it's just it's it's kind of just the same same way um just perhaps making sure I get you know an hour extra sleep because I've done more managing it that way. And I'll be honest, I haven't necessarily felt any difference because I'm very much aware that this, that could happen. Mm. Um, Things that I do find are out of my control are stressful situations because I can't control them. It's those that seem to trigger my epilepsy more so than the exercise, which is great because I like the exercise. That's fine. (laughs) Do you say the exercise helps with the, the stress? Yeah, I think I think it's because your mind is elsewhere. I don't know if that's that's what everyone else feels or not. I'm only talking about my situation, but I do find that if I'm focused on something else, I'm not worrying about feelings or worried a seizure might happen or, you know, thinking about anything else. I'm focused on what I'm doing. And I do a lot of... Um, So it might come across like I do a lot of like just swimming, biking and running for triathlon. But I actually have made plenty of space in my workout timetable for stuff like yoga and mindfulness and those things as well to try and balance it out a bit. So not just constant like cardiovascular, let's go for it sort of um, exercise, trying to mix it up a bit. 
exercise isn't a one size fits all if you don't like running that's okay there's plenty of things that you can have a go at or try or you know sometimes people don't like the the fast paced exercise you can still get a good workout from a variety of options I mean you know cycling you know you can you don't even have to go fast or like have an intense workout you can just go for a nice bike ride um you know so there's there's a lot of things you can do but I do find that as long as you're safe obviously you know um ideally cycle with somebody um make sure people know where you are you can do all sorts of exercises um safely and enjoy them and I think you kind of taking yourself away from overthinking and I think having something to divert your attention elsewhere I definitely think really helps. We're in lockdown so um, we'll we'll come on a little bit in terms of how that's affected your your bigger plans but how are you keeping yourself a little bit active at the moment whilst you're essentially stuck indoors most of the time? Yeah I am very lucky I have got a dog and the dog needs walking some days we'll just go for a nice long walk um other days we've gone for what I call the dog jog which is a combination of running and walking the dog so we've done a few of those um and then gone back old school and done some aerobics classes <laughs> not your ja- not your ja- not your Jane Fonda style ones like kind of yeah. <laughs> like your body attack and body combat those sorts of ones and then doing yoga classes. And then I've actually got a turbo trainer. Your own bike that you, that you cycle on is like clipped into this turbo trainer. And this, this program called Swift as an online virtual ride. So I could essentially get some of my friends to meet up with me for a virtual ride. <laughs> so we all can ride together. So I'm decorating as well. So that's keeping me active as well. I'm trying to just do as much as possible to, you know, keep my fitness levels up so yeah um just kind of adapting shall we say let's talk about your 12 at 12 can you just explain to me where the idea of 12 at 12 came from and can you run down the what you've done so far essentially what ones you've completed 12 and 12 came and again another you know what I've actually actually saying this I'm realizing my husband has a lot to answer to because if this was his idea he got me triathlon and now he's actually got me into doing 12 and 12. So um, 12 and 12 challenges came from I'd actually been at the Keswick Mountain Festival last year. I did the Adidas Terex 10k race there um, so started did that at the festival and my husband said to me he goes why don't you do something bigger? about epilepsy you know you've got a conversation going you get emails globally he said why don't you go bigger and talk about it more to show that people with your condition can still live a happy active life sure I don't know exactly what I can do um and so I kind of the next month I sort of started the ball rolling um I didn't want to just do one run after another run after another run I thought if I do a few that are kind of testing me sort of some mental barriers, I guess, I thought, actually, this is important to people who've got um, epilepsy because these are things that will test us. So um, I added some of those in. We've put it on pause because of this lockdown that we've spoken about. Um, But I started with the Lakeland Trail Run. That was a 14K. I've done the Henley Open Water Mile Swim. 
challenge three was the Wirral Sprint Triathlon. That was a beautiful triathlon, by the way. That was amazing. Uh, challenge four was a swimathon. Challenge five was the skeleton run at Beacon Hill, which was completely in the dark. That was one of the funniest things I've ever done. We had to run around with head torches on. It was probably quite a good thing because Beacon Hill, I'm, I'm based in Leicestershire and Beacon Hill is a massive hill. You do not want to run up it because it's, it's brutal. But because you're in the dark, you don't actually realise how, <laughs> how steep it is. But coming down is one of the best feelings in the like descending is is descending is the, the best feeling in the world. So that was fun. I then did a uh, indoor skydive, followed by uh, the Whitby Boxing Day Sea Swim, which was ridiculously cold. <laughs> um, then did a snowboarding lesson. Now this was a mental challenge because that was referencing back to when I did that ski season which I've told you about um and I didn't realize that I was having seizures whilst I had a snowboarding lesson and so it kind of tainted it for me so I thought right let's do a beginner snowboard lesson and by the end of it I was turning so and I loved it so that was that was one of the challenges and then my ninth challenge was the Brighton Half Marathon uh, which if anyone uh, heard about that it was that windy very windy, very windy weekend and uh, yeah so I did the half marathon that was with um, I ran with Charlie from the runner beans so she joined me um, there and that was amazing and I loved it and then lockdown happened and the others have been on pause. <laughs> Do you have a favourite challenge that you've done of those ones? I'd probably actually I'd, I'd probably say the Brighton half was one of my favorites that was really hard I was so I was I'm not I am quite competitive I was gonna lie and say I wasn't no I am competitive. <laughs> I, I can't deny it anyone I'll tell you I am um so I had previously done half I think two half marathons before it like we're talking years ago I did the Cambridge half marathon and I think I did the Nike run to the beat and if you've ever read any of my blog posts the night runs the beat half marathon was the one I had a seizure in without knowing it took me two hours 40 to finish that one um, and so I'd said to my I'd kind of said to myself I was like I need to get sub two hour I need to get <laughs> sub two hour so I'd got that goal in place and Charlie was running with me and then the wind happened <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh, and and she said to me she's like this is going to be hard. I hope you do realize this. I don't know how we're going to get to the sub two. And I was like, ha, I need to get this sub two. It will drive me nuts if I don't, if I don't get it. Um, in the end, I did two hours and 31 seconds. And I have never pushed so hard in my life. But she said to me, she goes, if you know what, you lost time because of how much wind there was against us, you would have totally got that. And I was like, in my mind, it's kind of a sub two. I feel like that was a massive achievement because I worked so hard. I joined a running club, which was a big step for me because I get a bit nervous about, um, perhaps don't come across like it, but I do get nervous joining new new things like that. Hmm. I joined a running club and was training so hard for it. So I felt like oh, that was a big achievement because I could see how much progression I'd done. And that was really rewarding. And also because, like I mentioned, I previously had, I've had seizures running and it's only running that has triggered seizures 
with exercise touch wood it's never been anything else so I was a little bit worried about running a certain distance because it was the same distance as when I had a seizure in 2010 that I was like I hope I'm going to be okay I was absolutely fine so I'd got over a mental barrier as as well as a physical one as well so Mm. that's why that one means the most to me I'd say Uh, I mean the others are just you know when when I was just reading that list out I can't believe I've done all those (laughs) I just I'm like oh my goodness (laughs) I mean I'm trying to give another one that uh, the other other one I'd say was really quite a big wow was when I did the Wirral Sprint Triathlon which was the third challenge Mm. that was a bit of a wake-up call I hope I don't put everyone off from open water swimming but basically people were swimming over the top of each other at the start I was like this is a bit crazy but I got I got on really fine I was like I think this is just the norm everyone seems okay with this let's just go with it (laughs) Um, and I did a really good swim and I was like wow I didn't panic there's so many things I'm so happy about that I've done in all these challenges the Brighton one is the one that I feel at the moment the most proud of so at the moment everything has been put on pause um you were saying though so there's three challenges left if you want to just say first off what those challenges um what what you had planned and what you think you're gonna do now so I had planned for March to do um it was actually with Sean from the girl outdoors I was trying to get people to join me on a few bits if they wanted to uh towards the end and Sean um said that she would do this challenge with me and I was going to be kayaking Windermere end to end a little bit of something different I like kayaking (laughs) let's give this a go it's not another running race or anything like that so that was going to be that challenge and the next challenge was going to be Ironman Oceanside 70.3 that got cancelled and then we couldn't fly to California. Mm. So that happened. And then I was going to be doing the uh, finishing with an ultra marathon. And that was at the Keswick Mountain Festival. Um, but then unfortunately that got cancelled too. So that's that happened. Can't do, another thing out of my control. Couldn't do anything mm. about it. I've now decided my final race is going to be in September. I've got August, which is the London try, and that's I'm doing the Olympic distance, so it's up from a from a sprint, uh, and then to finish, I've just uh, switched my Ironman Oceanside place. Uh, I'm going to do Ironman Santa Cruz seventy point three in September, and it lands on my birthday, so. That should be a great, uh, well, I don't know if many people would call that a great birthday present or not. I'm not sure, but that'll be how I'll end and we'll be in California. It's a memorable birthday, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. A, a, a lot of the stuff that you're doing are organised races. Do you tell the organisers that you have epilepsy and, and how do they react to that if you do tell them? Actually, actually, I did contact the... Ironman Oceanside about this because I'd read somewhere that somebody had told them that they'd got epilepsy and they had a kayak go out with them oh really she got part she got partial seizures but she let them know and they let a kayak go with them so I will always try where possible to let them know I think I've got to a point now where I'm not embarrassed by it if it happens it happens but I will say that I'm pretty much controlled and 
am aware of when it's happening, but I always let people know. As you could probably tell, speaking to Annie was so lovely, and I am so happy that you get to hear our conversation. There is something very reassuring about having another woman with epilepsy using sport and travel to share awareness for the condition, and I'm glad that I managed to get this one out this week because it is National Epilepsy Awareness Week, and of course it is my birthday. If you do want to make my birthday really awesome, if you are in a position to support me financially and you do find um, value in the work that I do with Seizure Adventure, please do consider becoming a a patron on Patreon. So you head to patreon.com forward slash seizure adventure and it explains that in more detail. You can become an adventure ally for as little as $3 a month and there are various levels of support all the way up to producer level which is $250 which is about how much it costs me to make an episode. And if you can't support me financially, don't worry, I still see you and I appreciate you. Please do keep sharing the episodes around, let me know what you think and let me know when you share so that I can thank you personally. Now, before the end of our conversation, I did ask Annie what she would say to someone if they had just been diagnosed with epilepsy. So I will leave you with those words. And until next time, safe adventures, everyone. Just know that it sounds sounds cheesy, but you're not alone. There are people out there that are experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. You're not going crazy. It passes. And with help of medication and fantastic neurologists, think these things can get more controlled. I mean, I was experienced up to five a day. I really struggled and now I'm able to do so much even with this condition so it does get better it really does you know I'm doing all these adventures and stuff that you know I'm still being careful and you can live a full adventurous life hopefully we're both promoting that between us um, that you can still have a lot of fun with life it's scary to start with this is just the first step and you will get to where we both are now. And that's probably what I would say to myself if I could back then. This podcast is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten track. To find out more, head to tremula.network.